join me tonight, if you would, in the ninth chapter of the book of Esther. The ninth chapter of the book of Esther, and I would like to read verses 3 and 4. We looked last week at this chapter, at the first uh, couple of verses, and we noticed there that there was a, a gathering together of the Jews. They had word, and, and many of those that lived in the area became Jews. And, you know, truly, that's what God does for us. We become spiritual Israel. He has always looked at the church as spiritual Israel. And by the new birth, we discover what we have. And so uh, what, what a blessing that is. The fear of them fell upon the people. So here in chapter 9, verses 3 and 4 now, has to do with Mordecai. I, I was visiting with Brother Gary one time. I might have been on phone, might have been in person. But anyway, he said, isn't it interesting that there are two books in the Old Testament that have women for their names, and the women are not the main characters? Mordecai is the main character here, and who's the main character in the book of Ruth? Boaz. Now, it really tells us a lot about the church and how the church deals with Boaz or Mordecai, uh, but here we find Mordecai is promoted. All the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and officers of the king help the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai, waxed greater and greater. You know, as I follow this about him waxing greater and greater, we do not find him in a boastful manner about it. We find him in a humble manner about it, but the Lord promoted him. You know, even in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find that he never promoted, he was a humble, and he asked his own disciples, who am I? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now he knew who he was, but we find as we follow him, he, he is a humble servant of his father. All right, let's look at these two verses together as we find in his, what a statement about the Lord's directing through the lattice. I like that picture that we find. Uh, just go over there with me to the Song of Solomon, if you would. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. The Song of Solomon, chapter 2. And this allusion is brought to our attention that we've used a number of times here in the book of Esther. The name of Esther is, I mean, the name of God is not mentioned here. We don't have any of the, the, those words about God. And, and uh, it, it's just, and yet we find God here in such clarity. And here in the book of, of the Song of Solomon, in verse 9 of chapter 2, it says, My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. Now, if we stand behind lattice, we don't get a complete picture, but we certainly do here notice that the director of all things 
is always in the background. If he's not in the forefront, he's still in the background and he is directing all things. And here we find him with regard to Mordecai. He is behind the lattice directing. God is directing what is going on here in the book of Esther. Always has been, always will be, and even the beginning to the conclusion, it is God's direction about this. He is the director of this entire scene. Now, there were four groups of people mentioned in that verse 3 that the king had out in the hinterlands that helped the Jews. It says there was the rulers. Now, these are head persons. One who ruled uh, rules turned the people to his direction. That's real basic meaning for that. He, he is over probably several provinces, that person. And then we have the lieutenant or a satrap, or a governor of a, a main province of Persia. So we have it divided up. There's going to be 127 of those. We have deputies, a prefect of a city or a small district, and then we have officers, those doing the king's business, royal agents and royal officials. And we find here as we read this that everybody that had any authority whatsoever granted to them by the king was doing the bidding of the one behind the lattice. They were an organized group that was tending to business with regard to the Lord. And as it says there, they helped the Jews. These groups helped the Jews. All of these, from the highest to the lowest, were helping the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. Uh, what we can notice here, the manner in which the king ruled top to bottom. What happens today with Almighty God? Top to bottom. He's the one that issues the orders. We're the ones that follow the orders. He has given us His Word. We have nothing else to go to but His Word. It's so interesting to visit with people, particularly that young man I was visiting with today. I have, I've done, and I said, all I have is the Bible. Let's go to the Bible and see what it says. Which of the disciples, which of the apostles ever bragged about their free will? Well, you know, you're brought to a standstill when you go to the Scriptures. And that's the only thing that we have to depend on is the Scriptures. It's not my experience. It's not something that happened to me. Uh, we don't agree on the Bible, so let's discuss my experience because we can agree on that. Well, you know, that's garbage. Well, as we notice here, that there is a top-to-bottom rule, and they're all in organization, and they're all helping the Jews just as God directs them. These royal officials, they helped the Jews. And why did they help the Jews? It says, because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. Now, what does that mean? Well, the influence that came upon the heart due to the influence here from one directing from behind the lattice. An influence came upon them. Now, this is a good influence. We can have all kinds of influences, but this influence, God's influence, is a good influence. And His influence was protecting His people that were in the Persian Empire, those that had been threatened by the edict of Haman. There's a lot of comparisons between Haman and Adam. Both were given a lot of authority. Both were put into a high position. And both sent out an edict of death. When Adam sinned, he caused his entire family to die. And when Haman got too big for his own britches, he said, let's kill all the Jews because he hated them. 
Well, we find out there's a lot of similarities between Mordecai and the Lord. They have life interested. That's Mordecai sent out an edict of life, and that's what the Lord does for us. There fell this influence upon them, and we seldom see the director of a play. I enjoy a good play. I, I have a real difficulty with musicals. <laughs> but I like a good play. I remember Nancy taking me down to the Shakespeare play after much pleading that I was not going to go and much telling her that I'm not interested. She took me anyway, and it was a joy to see those actors and actresses doing their part. I never saw the director, but I saw the director's directions being fulfilled. That's what we see. The, the lines, the director's directions, and that's what we see from the Lord. We have the director's directions, and the director's directions to all these people was, you take care of my people. Now, he didn't have to whisper it in his ear. He has the influence to come over their heart, just as we find with regard to Cyrus. The Holy Spirit came upon Cyrus and influenced him to make a decision to let the children of Israel go back. Why? That the word of Jeremiah the prophet might be fulfilled. That's why it was given. Mordecai is a wonderful picture of Christ. Quite a number of people in quite a number of situations were influenced by his position and character. It says right there in verse 3, they, because of the fear of Mordecai, fell upon them. Their respect for him, their honor of him, they're, they're coming under his influence. And his influence is so positive. His influence has an interest in doing that which is right. His influence is for the betterment of the people. His influence, he would have rather had nobody killed, but the, those who resisted and those rebels, they went ahead and, and the Jews took care of them. But I don't think Mordecai was just counting the numbers, hoping that how many people would die on that day. You know, the influence, it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's never been the threat it's never been hell. It's never been the law. It's never been the threat of God that changed anybody. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. <clears throat> we might say that these folks that we read about in verse 3 of chapter 9, they were influenced for Mordecai's sake. Now, you know where I'm going. A lot is done for Jesus' sake. He's the one that influences for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake, there is. Now we're going to look at a ver two verses in the New Testament in the book of Matthew in just a moment. And in those two verses, the Lord Jesus himself said, there is a greater than these two here right now. Now we can look at the book of Esther. We can look at the book of Ruth. We can look at the book of Exodus. We can look at the book of Genesis. We can look at all the books of the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And we have to come to this conclusion, led by the Holy Spirit, that there is a greater than any man here. There is greater. God is greater. Greater than Mordecai is here. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 12. 
Now, the Lord brings this subject up because no doubt there were some people that were giving great honor to Jonah, and there were some people giving great honor to Solomon. He mentions both of them, one in one verse, one in the next verse, here in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 41. We read this. The men of Nineveh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Christ is here and he is greater than Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. Jonah was moved by the Lord's commandments, the Lord's word. And then in verse 42, no doubt there were many people that felt that Solomon was a tremendous king. Well, we go over there and we read there was no wars during his time and every man dwelt under his own vine at peace. Well, that's a pretty good time. Can you imagine them? We'd like to have Solomon back. <laughs> Look what we're dealing with now. We're dealing with Rome, and they're not being very nice to us. Well, the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Commendable. But the Lord himself said, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here, right in their midst. He was wiser than Solomon. Solomon's wisdom came from who? The one behind the lattice. God spoke to him and gave him that great wisdom. So we find that this greater than Mordecai is here. What an individual that would move in the hearts and minds of all of those authoritative people that stood underneath the Hazuerus, and these people lent themselves to the safety of the Jews. Something happened. It wasn't natural for them to do that. It was not natural for them to do that, and God granted to them the joy of helping the Jews. And Mordecai, as it tells us over there in the book of Esther, it says, that because of the fear of Mordecai fell on them for Mordecai's sake. Now, a greater than Mordecai is here. This one, the Lord Jesus, it is just astonishing the number of verses in the Bible that tell us about how great he is. There is no end of how great he is. There is a greater than Jonah here. There is a greater and Christ is going to use that illustration as Jonah was three days and three nights in the great fish's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There's going to be a resurrection. I am greater than Jonah. I had to speak to that fish to get that fish to regurgitate him. And a greater than Solomon is here. I'm the one that gave Solomon all that wisdom. I helped him with those two mothers. I helped him make the decision to ask for a sword. I was moved there to move Solomon to say, cut it in half and give it to one half and to the other and the other half. And you know what happened? That mama that just loved that baby said, oh, no, no, give it to him. God moved through behind the lattice to give Solomon wisdom. 
and a greater than Solomon is here. Turn with me to an outstanding passage of Scripture in the New Testament that shares so much about the greatness of Jesus Christ over all others. And that's found in the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. As we think about Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful for these verses that demonstrate and reveal and share with us the greatness of our Savior, the greatness of God. Mordecai, I have a great deal of respect for him. I have more respect for him now than I've ever had. I never have looked at him as I've looked at him in studying this last time through the book of Esther. But he was one that God used in a mighty way, and standing behind Mordecai was God Almighty. He moved in him both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And that's what he does with his saints today. He moves in his saints to both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Here in the book of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, For by him, by Christ, were all things created. That's a statement that shares with us that he is greater than Mordecai. Mordecai was a very influential person in Jerusalem or in Judah. Mordecai is taken into captivity, moved from home to the Persian Empire. We looked at him uh, so symbolic of our Savior, giving up the glory that he had with the Father before the world was, come down to the Persian Empire. Come down to paganism, if you please. Come down and be able to know these are all dead in trespasses and sin. And then, not just make them savable, but save them from their sins. All right? For him were all things, by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. That, that's interesting. You know, we talk about invisible things. What, what can we do with that? What can we do with that? And yet the Lord has created everything visible and everything invisible. Last Sunday I was driving home with, with uh, Josie, and I asked her if she'd memorized the periodic table yet. <laughs> She's working on it. And I said, well, what is, the, what is the symbol for gold? Well, I don't know that one yet, Granddad. How about silver? I don't know that one yet either. I said, what's the first one on the table? Hydrogen. Number one, what's next? Helium, what's next? And she told me, well, those things are invisible. Those gases are invisible. We use them, but they are invisible. God is over everything. The Holy Spirit's influence upon us is invisible. And yet he moves in us to both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, it goes on to say here, whether they be thrones or dominions, and that takes us right back to the Persian Empire. Thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers, angels, demons, every created being, everything redounds to the glory of God the Father. And we find out it was this one who is greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon, and greater than Mordecai that created it all. From nothing, zero, zilch, nothing. There wasn't even air. There was an invisible mass. <laughs> And yet God was in his glory on his throne. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist or held in order or held in check. All right, 
the scriptures are filled with this that the Lord Jesus, that God Almighty, is greater than Mordecai. <laughs> Even though he is great, and he is getting greater, he is still greater than Mordecai. He moved in him both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He moved in Abel to offer a sacrifice most acceptable. What was it that God had revealed to, to Abel that caused him really to do that? He revealed to him he was a sinner. And he revealed he needed a substitute. And a substitute, this picture was going to be a picture of the Lamb of God. God moved in him both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And he did not do that in his brother. He left him. What will man do left to himself? Bring watermelons and cucumbers and the labors of their hands left to themselves. What will a person do if God influences them? They will trust Christ as all their salvation, his blood and righteousness alone. All right, go back with me to the Old Testament for a few readings over in the Psalm, Psalm 102. Psalm 102. Psalm 102, we read this about a greater than Mordecai is here. Psalm 102, verse 25. Verse 25. Psalm 102, verse 25. We're going to read the, this, the rest of this psalm. It says, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth. You know, from space, it doesn't look like the earth has a foundation. And yet God said, of old, he hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. What a greater than Solomon. What a greater than Jonah. What a greater than Mordecai. What a greater than anyone. What great God is ours. They shall perish but thou shalt endure. Yea, all them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. Who changes them? The one that's greater than Mordecai. Thou shalt, as a vesture, thou shalt change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. This is what Mordecai was born, grew up, lived, and we don't have a record of it, but we can certainly take it to the bank. He died. Jonah, Solomon, but a greater than Solomon is here. A greater than Jonah is here. A greater than Mordecai is here. So, and the children of thy servant shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. What a wonderful statement that he has a people that is his, and he will take care of them. He has created the heavens and the earth. And over in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, we find this some more about he is greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon. And as we're studying today, the book of Esther, greater than Mordecai. He was so influential upon those people that the fear of him fell upon them and they decided to help the Jews. 
God moved in them both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm not saying that they were all saved. I'm saying he moved in them both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's what he does. And here we find in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, and there in verse 9, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 9, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice and strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. I love what the Lord told Abraham and it just takes care of the re reward issue. I am thy exceeding great reward. My goodness, there's no greater reward than to have Jesus Christ as Lord. Behold, the Lord comes with strong hand. His arm shall rule. Verse 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? I read the other day about the volume of the oceans. I can't count that far. <laughs> I can't imagine that much. And yet, in just a, a, a trying to get us to understand God, you can measure it in the palm of his hand. A greater than Jonah is here. A greater than Solomon is here. A greater than Mordecai is here. He hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. He meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and hills in a balance. Now he's just letting us try to get a grasp of the greatness of God by looking at what we live on and saying it's just a pile of sand. It's just a a little bit of water. It's a cup full of this. It's a, and we say, oh my, what a great God, a greater than Mordecai is here. It's no wonder that we bow. It's no wonder that we reverence him. It's no wonder that we come to him. We're drawn with cords of love. What strength it took to create the heavens and the earth. And that strength is what it takes to draw us to him. And he has that power and he has that authority. And just a little further here in John chapter, or excuse me, Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44. We have this that shares with us about the greatness of our Lord, the greatness of God. God said, I formed Israel. I formed the church. I formed Israel. I formed everybody. Isaiah 40, verse 9. Excuse me, Isaiah 44, verse 21. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee, thou art my servant. O Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have formed thee. This is what God has done. He has formed us. Every spiritual thing we have has been formed in us. We can't create it because we're not a creator, but we have a creator that can create it. Almighty God. All things were made by him. There we read, all things were created by him and for him. He has everything. In the uh, uh, 
1 Corinthians chapter 8. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, we read this, verse 8, verses 5 and 6. Chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. It says here, For there, though there be, excuse me, for though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. First or second birth, we by him. What a statement is made throughout the scriptures. He created all things by Christ Jesus. Now, we've come, uh, uh, Jesus said, I have come to do my Father's will. That's why he came. He chose a people before the foundation of the world for Jesus' sake. Now, we run over there for Mordecai's sake. Those lieutenants, satraps, all those people of importance that were under the king Ahasuerus, they did what they did because of Mordecai. The fear of Mordecai came upon them. And we find the reverence of God by his people for Jesus' sake. God created the heavens and the earth for Jesus' sake. What was it created? For the church. There was, no, there was no need for an earth or a heaven, but God had in mind saving a people from their sins. And he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Why? For his church. He's going to take their sin as far as the east is from the west and plant them in a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness for the church and for Jesus' sake. They all shall be saved for Jesus' sake. His blood and righteousness is efficacious and sufficient, and they shall be saved for Jesus' sake. The Holy Spirit brings all the elect to the Son for Jesus' sake. His work, His ministry, all that He has done on the behalf of His people, all are born again for Jesus' sake. His very thing. And we pray. And most of the time we close our prayer. We, we have petitions or we have praise or whatever and we close it by and for Jesus sake you know I wish I could mean that every time I'm so thankful for that verse of scripture that shares with me that I don't know how to pray as I ought but the Holy Spirit does I, I often close my prayer and I hear others closer and for Jesus sake that he would get the glory, it would redound to his glory because of his blood and his righteousness. And as we go back to that verse 4 of chapter 9 of the book of Esther, verse 4 shares so much also about this one Mordecai as a picture of our Savior. In the book of Esther, chapter 9, verse 4, it says... For Mordecai was great in the king's house. We know that. The Lord is great in his house. We know that. But notice what it goes on to say. Was great in the king's house, and his fame went throughout all the provinces. 
For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. You know, as the Lord teaches the church, as the Lord brings the word of God to the church, we find out he gets greater and greater in our mind, our understanding. We never come to a place and say, well, that's all there is. We come to the place and say, I wish I knew more. I wish I could understand more about my Savior. And he reveals in his word his greatness and his might and his power. But we're left with our minds tangled up because they're so finite. You know, the scriptures tell us over here in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Look at this verse of scripture with me. This passage of scripture in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 18, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints. Now notice this. You might be able to comprehend. I look over there and I read about Mordecai and he got greater and greater. He got greater in the eyes of the people. His magnificence was greater. His authority was greater. They realized more and more how he was taking care of them. Many of the same characteristics and attributes that we follow with Joseph when he had the storehouses and he gave all of the food out of the storehouses. And nobody went hungry, even in the driest and worst of times. Here is a man taking care of the kingdom, huge kingdom, on the behalf of God. He's put into this position to deal with people on the behalf of God, to be a representative of God, just like you and I are when it comes to the word. We have nothing else to give. Our, our, uh, our experiences aren't worth much. The word of God is valuable. All right, now notice here that you may be able to comprehend with all saints, what, what is the breadth and the length, and the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ. Can you comprehend that? Now we're called on to comprehend that. To comprehend the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of God. Can you comprehend that? You know, when we get to looking at that, we find out he gets greater and greater. We never reach the end. We never come to the conclusion, I've learned it all. A person may say that, but they're just dumb as a post. God's people say, you know, I wish I knew something about this. And if God has given us an inkling about it, an inkling of the length, the breadth, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ, go to the cross. Go to the, go to the manger. Uh, God gave up the glory that he had with the Father before the world was and laid in a manger. Go to the temple with him. Go. And we'll find out we are amazed he gets greater and greater. They, he astonished the doctors at 12 years of age. And he astonished the religious people all of his life. And don't think for a moment that he didn't know what he was doing on the Sabbath day. It's a good check to find out what do you hold dear? Is it grace or is it some tradition or some 
thing is what's the most important? Well, he showed what was most important and the, the person that went to the temple and prayed, God be merciful to me, a sinner, didn't care what Jesus did on the Sabbath day. He thanked God for anybody that would be healed. All right, let's look at this. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. He certainly is getting greater and greater. Mordecai got greater and greater every day, every month, every year as he lived and ruled and blessed the, the provinces. We see in him how we are blessed every day and greater and greater. We, we have to relearn some of the lessons. <laughs> we have to relearn some of the things. We're so, so limited, but he is gracious to us. And then back up to chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. Chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. And there in verse uh, 18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Is that an ongoing instruction time for us? My goodness. What is simply said in it? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who to believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places? My goodness, as we read through the scriptures, we find verses like this all over, and it just says, he's greater than you thought. <laughs> He's greater and greater and greater and greater. Now, there's a wonderful illustration found in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47. We had a preacher come one time, and he preached on this. Ezekiel 47. In Ezekiel, chapter 47, we're going to start with verse 1. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. There is nowhere in this book that God ever intended anybody to think that he's going to rebuild a temple. This is all pictorial of the church. This is all pictorial of people that make up the church. This is not literal. This is pictorial, spiritual. I had a man today ask me, what do you think about what's going on in the Middle East? I says, I have about as much concern about that as what's going on in Salem or Washington, D.C. or right here in the Dalles. God has control over it all. And nothing that's going on right now is out of God's control. And somebody's going to be moved to somewhere so they can hear the gospel. End of statement. When the last sheep is saved, then it will be over. Not this. All right. In Ezekiel chapter 47, Afterward he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. You know if this was literal, some w woman is going to call her husband and says, Come and take care of this leak. <laughs> this is spiritual. What a blessing we see here. Water issuing from the threshold, from the temple. What is this? For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from the under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. And they brought me, he, he brought, 
Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without the outer, outer gate, by the way that looketh eastward, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to my ankles. Whoa. Let's not stop there. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to my knees, were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and they were to my loins. What is happening? What is being demonstrated here? My goodness, as God leads us through the gospel, we find out it gets deeper and deeper. What a wonderful passage of scripture it is. Launch out into the deep. All right, goes on. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over. You know what that's telling us? It's greater than we thought. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. What's that telling us? You will never come to the conclusion of grace. You will never come to the conclusion of knowing all about God. You will never, ever strive to know more. Read, pray to God that he would reveal more, but you'll never wear it out. You know, once in a while I get a hold of a book, I really like it, and I hate to get to the last page. It was such a good book. But you know what? This book never gets to the last page. It gets, we may, oh, how sweet it was when I was first saved. Oh, oh the gospel, oh, the gospel. And we move on, it gets a little deeper, move on a little deeper. We know more moves on preaching. It is so deep that you can't swim in it. There will never be an end of the glories of Almighty God in Christ Jesus for the church. And eternity will be spent revealing the glories of grace. So as we go back to that passage of scripture over there in the book of Esther, Esther chapter 9, there, Esther chapter 9 and verse 4, it said there, For Mordecai was great in the king's house. How great he was with his disciples. How great he was with the people he raised, uh, healed their bodies. That one man said, I don't know uh, who he is, but I know this. Whereas I was blind, now I see. You know, you follow that out. Jesus met up with him and revealed himself to him. He knew who he was now, and it didn't matter that he'd been kicked out of that synagogue. That was just nothing. He had Christ. And it goes on to say, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. What does that tell us? The book of Matthew says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature as the doors open, as the doors open. And then it says, Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Wow. The Lord Jesus Christ waxes greater and greater. We never get to the end. We never say, is that all you have? We say, give me more. 